I want to talk to you this morning. My subject is a woman's story. Uh, I want to just get into this message quickly because uh, it takes a little time to sort of develop it. But, but this story uh, is about an unnamed woman. Um, and actually, both of these stories, the Lord shows us his concern for these vulnerable women. That is, because in those days, uh, in those days, uh, women were almost always at risk, and even today. And we need to uh, have, a, have it in our hearts to do all we can, all that God wants us to do, to make sure that the women in our lives and women in general are safe. And we should never compromise on that. And I want you to know that's how I feel, and I, I won't take that back. Amen. Um, amen. And when God shows us his concern for these women, and, he, and thus he is showing us his concern for you, you may feel abandoned, but God has not abandoned you. And I believe this is why we're sharing this message on Mother's Day. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we'll begin in verse number 1. Uh, Elisha, I, I, I titled this, this little section, this subheading, Elisha and a poor widow, a woman who could not do very much for the prophet, but the prophet could do a lot for her. And the scripture reads, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, notice how this woman approached the prophet Elisha. Elisha uh, is the protege of Elijah. Elijah was, was uh, probably the greatest prophet in Israel uh, under Moses. He was a tremendous prophet of Is uh, in Israel. But God raised up this protege, Elisha, to serve with him. And Elisha is the one who asked for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. And so Elijah said to him, if you see me when I'm taken away, you can have what you ask for. And, and of course, we know the story when the chariots of fire came to take him. Then uh, Elisha saw him and he cried out, my father, my father, the horses and the chariots of Israel. And then the, the mantle fell on Elisha. This is that Elisha. And he looked at the Jordan River and he had the mantle and he, said, he smote the waters in a dramatic fashion, where is the God of Elijah? And the waters parted. And he got a double portion of the spirit of this great, great prophet Elijah. And so this woman is approaching him. Uh, uh, this uh, woman, a certain woman is, her, is how uh, the scripture calls her. She was a wife of the, one of the sons of the prophets, those who were in prophecy school. She was uh, the wife of one. And she said to Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. And so she really put some responsibility on the man of God. <clears throat> I've said that if you, if you and I, those of us who are men, preachers and pastors, if we can't accept the responsibility, we need to get out of the ministry. If I'm preaching something to you and you go, Pastor, that's just not working, I want to know why. Then I should be able to answer you. Uh, that's not wrong to do so. And this is what she did. Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant, that one who was serving you, feared the Lord. You know it. 
he died a poor man, and now the creditor is coming to take my sons, my two sons, to be his slaves. This unnamed widow called out to the prophet Elisha, servant, this is that Elisha's servant, her husband, was dead. And that this man feared the Lord. She makes certain that Elisha, the prophet Elisha knows that her husband, who feared the Lord, was also his servant. That's why right, you put it on us. If we can't take it, we need to get out of the pulpit. The Lord's servant was dead. He feared and reverenced God. Therefore, she says, I need help. This is the, what she is implying. I need help that comes from God. Now notice the boldness of this woman. This is not a woman out of order. She is perfectly in order because she was married to a man of God. Now she is saying to this man of God, do something. And so this, when, the, when the creditor comes, he would work those boys probably for the, the, the least amount of money he could get away with so he could keep them in servitude for a long time until that debt was paid. Verse 2 says, so Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? And that should be all of our, our answer when you have a question. What shall I do for you? And he said, tell me, what do you have in your house? Those are two very, very strong questions that, that I think that we can ask. Tell me, what shall I do for you? And then what do you have in your house? Because oftentimes the answer is not so far away. It's near us, even in our house. And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but, I love the word but at times, because it can change the direction. If you're going in the wrong direction, it can put you in the right direction. If you're going in the right direction, you don't want to say but. <laughs> Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels. And I notice the prophet was listening to God. God had not revealed to him that he should do something to this woman. But when she began to talk, he knew. He said, okay, this is what he heard from God. Go borrow vessels from everywhere. Now notice, everywhere. That means the people you know, the people you don't know. Anybody who will loan you a vessel, go, go there. Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. Empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons. Then pour it, the oil, into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So the prophet asked the, the widow, what shall I do for you? That should be my question to you. What shall I do for you? Not, oh, I'm too busy. If I'm too busy to help you, I'm too busy to be a pastor. This man, if he did not allow uh, this woman to ask him the questions, he was then too busy to be a prophet of God. So he says, tell, he said, tell me what's in your house. So she told him that she had but a jar of oil. And Elisha shows us here two often overlooked principles. And I don't want us to overlook these two principles that we must uh, always employ. And I'm speaking especially to the women today because you need a boldness. Not, not a brashness, but a boldness. You can be holy and bold or you can be out of order, brash and out of order. You know, you can be demanding and out of order. But you can be in order and be bold. And this woman, uh, uh, because she was bold enough to approach the prophet, uh, she, 
we find these amazing, wonderfully overlooked principles. He asks, what do you have in your house? And you can ask yourself the question, what is it that I have in my house that God can use? What do you have in your house? And the other uh, principle is, shut the door behind you and your sons while God is performing this miracle for you. Sometimes we open ourselves up to the world or we think, oh, I want everybody to see what God is doing. But there is the principle of shutting the door behind you so that you are locked in with the promises of God, that you are locked in with the miraculous working power of God. This is what he wants you to know. Because doubt and unbelief are hindrances to our faith. Doubt and unbelief. Have you ever noticed that sometimes when we tell people something prematurely, they will tell you that God wouldn't say that? You know, you know that God said something that's, that's, that seems like it's over the top and God wouldn't say it, but you know in your heart that God said it? When I was a young boy, God said things to me. He spoke things through my pastor to me. He spoke things through others to me. And I'm walking in them, living them now. They were too big for a little boy. But a little boy had to grow up to be a man to get them. But the little boy pondered them in his heart. Are you still with me? So if God told you that he was going to perform something for you, it doesn't matter who is against you. If God... God is for you. Who can be against you? Who can, who can say to God, withdraw your hand of blessing? Who can say that? Who can say that to God? Absolutely no one. So you shut the door because you shut that door uh, against doubt and unbelief. The door is shut behind you. And when you shut the door behind you to the world and all of its voices, you shut yourself in with God. Shutting the door behind them meant that they were shutting out doubters, distractors, and distractions. Sometimes you have to do that. And I'm going to encourage you, you women. If God told you something, you believe it. If God said, I'm going to give you whatever, you believe him. If God says, I'm going to do it, you say, but, but no, no, I'm getting older now. Those promises cannot be true. Come on. In, in 19, um, no, in 2010, in 2010, we have a poster on the wall, a board on the wall. Uh, God said to me, woke me up at about 1 o'clock in the morning. It's a Tuesday morning, uh, July the 20th, 2010. He said, the time has come for the fulfillment of all the promises I have given you. So he told me that. And I woke up and I, was, I started to pray just, just like nonstop because I knew God was speaking to my spirit, man. And then he said to me, the enemy is going to attack to destroy. He said to me, do not fear. He told me, don't be distracted. Yeah. Don't be discouraged. Boy, wow. Don't, don't allow distractions to come. Do not be discouraged. What, why did God say that? Why? Because the enemy will attack to rob you. So you have to shut the door. Shut the door and lock yourself in with God. This is what you have to do. My mother did that. I was telling the first service that mom prayed for me all the time. All of us, actually. There were ten. We had, I had uh, nine brothers and sisters, three sisters and six brothers. And she was always praying. I was, I was a little boy. Watch her as she would put the food on on the stove, start to prepare dinner, and she would, as she got everything ready, I would see her kneeling in the hallway, praying on her knees. And then after a while, she would get up, and she would check on the food, and then she would go back and, and uh, kneel and pray. 
I remember going to the university and deciding that I would really like to run away from God. I want to run away from God. It's probably some young person who is trying to run away from God. You're seated, right, seated here, but you're here only because it's Mother's Day, and you're trying to run away from God. But then my mother's prayers were, were, were as it were, hounding me. You know what hounding means? You know, they were pursuing me. You know, like the old hound dog that's trying to get, catch the rabbit or the squirrel. These city folks don't have a clue. They shake their head like, we want to understand. But, but, but my mom's prayers were hounding me, were pursuing me, pursuing me, and they would not let me go. I was telling the service how, at the first service, how sometimes she would ask me, are you praying? And boy, I didn't want to lie to my mom. So I would quickly say prayers before I would go home. I would quickly say, our Father who art in heaven, I'll be thy name, and the kingdom come my way, but now. So that when mom asked, are you praying? Because this is my mom praying. So, but, but her prayers hounded me, so to speak. They pursued me until I gave up to God. And this is what somebody is resisting mama's prayer. But I want to tell you something. You cannot resist your mother's prayer. But just like Elisha could not resist this widow woman. And wow. So God says, shut the door, mothers. Shut the door. Verse 5 says, so she went out from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another vessel. He really probably said, mom, mom there ain't no more vessels. But she says, there's not another vessel. So the oil ceased. And what this says is that she had gathered all these vessels and the oil quit when there was no place to put more oil. And that's why you, you, you don't want to be uh, like the king. The prophet said, you know, here's some arrows. Beat them against the ground. And he was just so lethargically. Okay, now what else? That guy would get down. He said, why didn't you beat? If God says beat them against the ground, you ought to beat them and beat them and beat them and beat them. If you had done that, then you would have consumed your enemies. You would have destroyed your enemies. But now you're only going to have marginal success. I want to say to every mother, don't you quit praying. You say, but I'm not seeing, but that's okay. You're not supposed to see with your natural eye before you see with your spiritual eye. You see with your spiritual eye, and then it will come to pass. I know. I am an example. And I can give you hundreds or even thousands of examples of a mother's prayer. God heard the mother's prayer. Wow. Wow. And so it says then she went to the man of God. So in this portion of Scripture, it says man of God, man of God, man of God. It's not just saying preacher, man of God. Yeah, or woman of God. It's not, it's not just saying that. It's talking about somebody who's walking with God, somebody who believes God. I remember a number of years ago when, um, when I was right out of the university and uh, my, I went to a church where my pastor was always saying stuff. And I thought, some, actually, I, I'm, I'm, I've told pastor this, so it's not a secret. I said, pastor, I thought that was the most ignorant thing you could say from a pulpit. I wasn't being brash. I was just saying of how God spanked me that day. And he said, he said, casting all your cares on Jesus, for he carries for you. And I thought, he said, now reach your hand inside your bosom and take your problems out and throw them up to Jesus. I thought, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I, I was sitting there, I said, I'm not going to do that. That's so ignorant. I mean, I can't reach inside my chest, take my problems out and throw them up to Jesus. I'm not going to do that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. 
He said, do you believe he's a man of God? I said, yes. Do you believe I sent him? Yes. Well, why don't you obey him? I can't, can I tell you what happened to me? Uh, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> None of you said anything. I, but I pretended I was reaching in my chest. And I kind of closed my eyes. And I went. And the next thing I went, oh, crying. Crying uncontrollably. Why? Because every, I'd been under burdens for two years. Two years of heavy burdens. And they were instantaneously gone when I obeyed. This woman obeyed. It's an amazing story. So, so she went and told the man of God uh, what had happened. And he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons live on the rest. And so what happened, they, she did exactly that. She sold, paid off the debt before she started to living. Uh, right? She, on, on the other. She didn't live on the other and then marginalize, pay her debt. But she paid her debt and she lived on the rest. And in this next story, and I, I will just kind of wrap it up somewhat quickly. Um, uh, Pastor Ken, so, he so trusts me, he didn't give me time on the clock. He just says, you just blow right through those things. So, so I'm going to be done maybe in a short while. I'm going to be D-O-N in a short while. Now it happened, on verse 8, now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem. This is another story of, this, of these women. These are amazing women. But they, the first one had no name. This one is called the Shunemite woman because she lived in Shunem. Where the, uh, it happened that one day that Elisha the same prophet um, went to Shunem where there was a notable woman. There was a, a leading woman, a, a woman who was of, of note. She was um, worthy of notice. She was a remarkable person. She was a woman of means. And she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. So she was obviously a good chef, a good cook, and she persuaded him to eat food. And so once she persuaded him to eat her food, he kept stopping by to eat. You know, but she had something to offer him. And she offered what she had, so what she thought would be a blessing to him. She offered him some food. And so then he started kind of hanging out at that house. Every time Elisha was a great man of God who did twice the number of miracles that Elijah performed, he stopped by there to eat some food. And then she, one day, she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is what? A holy man of God. There's a difference. You have to find out if that leader is a holy person of God or do they love God? Are they doing what God commands? Or are they doing uh, some, performing some, uh, what is it called, marketing plan? Is the church all about mar clever marketing? Or is it God-led? And so, so this is what she's doing. She said, this man regularly passes by. So she said to her husband, please, let us make a small upper room on the wall. And let us put a bed for him there. And a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. What God was speaking to her through the Holy Spirit to give her a blessing. She didn't know. She was just being spontaneous, being a kind, nice woman. But the Spirit of God was leading her this way. And I say this to every man. When your wife says something to you like that, you've got a holy wife. You've got a woman of God there in your house. Listen. Now, my wife is quiet. She should have said amen. 
Because I have found in my life, and I don't say it because I'm not trying to get some points, but I've, I've found in my life that usually she's right. I mean, like almost all the time. Almost all the time. If she says, you need to call such and such a person, I, I will. No, no, you need to call them right now. I'm thinking, well, well but you, you can call. No, you need to call them right now. I'll call somebody. I am so glad you called me. I wanted you to call me. Oh, yeah. And tell Sister Marva, th- uh, hi. No, I'm not telling Sister Marva anything. <laughs> I never say that. I just think that. Are you with me? You know, you know but, but I'm saying this man listened to his wife. Brothers, there's a time to listen to his wife. I know every time you say that to a man who reads the Bible, you say, well, what about Abraham? Well, what about him? He listened to the wrong thing. And then when she told him to put that boy out of this house, he shall not be inherit with my son. Abraham couldn't do it because he loved Ishmael. He loved him. He said, no, put him out. God said, listen to your wife. So I'm just saying, ladies, I'm praying that God will give you people who will listen to you. Amen. Amen. Okay. So it happened one day uh, when they were... When he came there, he turned into the upper room he, where they had made a little, a little apartment for him. And, he, and uh, he laid down there. Verse 12 says, Then he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, he, she stood before him, before uh, Gehazi, and he said to him, Say now to her, Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. In other words, I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing well. You don't have to speak to, to the king for me. Uh, I don't need help from this earthly king. I don't need help from this general. I don't need help. And God's people need to recognize this. Amen. I wish I had more than one amen. amen. We need to recognize what this woman recognized. And so she said, uh, so he said, Elisha, what then is to be done for her? And Gehazi answered, his, his uh, protege answered, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. And, and this, uh, you, know that, you know what that means. And so verse 15, he says, call her. When he had called her, she stood in the doorway. Then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God. Do not lie to your maidservant. Isn't that something to say to the preacher? Don't lie to me. But the woman conceived and bore a son when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her. And the child grew. Now it happened one day, he went out to his father, to the reapers, and he said to his father, my head, my head. So he said to his servant, carry him to his mother. Isn't that right? The boy's sick. Take him to his mama. And I guess that's what daddies are for. <laughs> Take him to his mama. How many times did your daddy put a Band-Aid on your finger? It was almost always your mom. Almost always your mom. Mom, mom, mom. So this is a good thing. I'm not trying to get brownie points with you ladies. I'm just preaching the scripture. So take her to your mom. This boy is sick, sick. Take this boy to his mother. 
Now, when he had, when, uh, he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on, on her knees till noon, and then he died. This mom, loving this baby, held him on her knee until the baby was dead. Now, I love this woman in this story. She's called the Shunammite woman from Shunem. So she's, she's kept this baby until he died. Now, listen to what she did. Very wise, following the Holy Spirit. Woman, women of God, follow the Holy Spirit. Women of God, follow the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. Not some intuition that we say, a woman's intuition. No, follow the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what she did. Listen to what she did. She, um, and verse 21, and she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God. She said, this prophet gave me this baby. I told him not to mess with me, and he did it anyway. So I'm taking this dead child, and I'm going to put him on the bed where the prophet lay. This is amazing. Shut the door upon him and went out. And then she shut the door. That's very important. She's shutting doubt and unbelief out. Shutting it out. Women of God, you must shut doubt, shut unbelief out. You have a right to say God promised. God promised. God said. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. Verse 22 said, then she called to the, her husband said, please. Now, she, she's in order. She's not demanding of her husband. She's not saying crazy things to her husband. She's, she's, she's right here. She says, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. She's a trustworthy woman. So he said, why are you going to him today? That's a good question, guys. Why are you going up there? It is neither the new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, it is well. Like, don't worry. It's well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. Or like, it's like me saying, drive 90 miles an hour until I tell you I'm more comfortable at 60. You know, that's what it's like. So, so don't slacken until I tell you. And so she departed and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. So it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now and meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And when Gehazi got there, he asked that. She answered, It is well. But she kept going to the man of God. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet. She just went down, showing herself as reverencing him. She grabbed him by the feet. And uh, this, this servant of Elisha was going to push her away. And she, he said, no, leave her alone. Leave her alone. She's in deep distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. So she said, did I ask a son from, of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, get yourself ready. Take Elisha. So she's saying, I told you not to do that. Now you've broken my heart. It would have been better for me not to have a child and have my child and lose him. You're breaking my heart. He, Elisha said, get yourself ready. Take my staff in your hand. Be on your way. Go. If you meet anyone, do not greet them. If you see somebody, don't greet them. Keep going. Don't answer them. Put my staff on that boy's face. And Jesus had told his disciples the same thing. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves in Luke chapter 10, verses 3 through 4. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag. Don't carry a knapsack nor sandals and greet nobody on the road. In other words, my mission 
is a mission of urgency. And the mother of the child um, said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. This is the tenacity or faith that is greater than tenacity for this mother. She says, I am not going to leave you. You made a promise. You said God would go, going to do something and I'm going to stay with you until God raises my boy from the dead. That's what she's saying. And that's moms. That's how a mother is. I know that. I've seen it in some of you. I, I definitely have seen it in my house. That mother spirit. Now listen to what he says. And so he goes on and, and Gehazi uh, went and, uh, um, and he put the, the uh, staff on, on the boy, but it did not work. The boy did not, um, did not revive. Verse 33, he went in therefore. So when Elisha came to the house, verse 32, there was the child lying dead on Elisha's bed. I guess we could call that the audacity of faith. So he went in, therefore, shut the door behind them and prayed to the Lord. And, and when Jesus Christ was healing Jairus' daughter, remember, he took with him Peter, James, and John. And what did he do? He, and the boy, the girl's uh, mom and dad, and he put everybody else out because you don't need doubters when you're seeking God. You need to learn how to shut the door. Matthew 6, 6 tells us when you pray, go in your room. And when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Wow. Let me tell you what Elisha did and I'm going to be done. He went up and he laid on that, on that child. He put his mouth on the child's mouth. He put his eyes on the child's eyes and his hands on the child's hands. And he stretched himself out on the child, and the flesh of the child became warm. He returned and walked back and forth because the child was warm. But he was walking back and forth, pacing back and forth in the house. And he went out again. He stretched himself up on that child in, the, in like manner. And the child sneezed seven times. The child opened his eyes. And boy, wow. It reminds me of a story in the book of Acts when Paul was preaching a long time, a lot longer than I've been preaching this morning. A lot longer. And it, Paul was preaching and, and a young boy named Eutychus was in the third loft and he fell out. Get, went to sleep up there. Paul was preaching. Paul was preaching like all through the night and preaching because he was gonna, not going to see them anymore. Boy fell out, fell down and, and died. He was dead. It, and when Paul, when he was dead, uh, Paul went down there and embraced him in the same manner and the boy revived. He says, here, here's your boy. Here's Eutychus. He's alive. What am I saying? I'm saying what God did in olden days, 3,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago. God did 2,000 years ago. God did 1,000 years ago. God did yesterday for somebody. I'm saying when we read this word of God, it's the true word of God. And what I'm saying is, ladies, you can believe the word of God. You can trust God. You can trust God with your present and you can trust God with your future. And God knows how to get everybody's attention for you. So... May the Lord bless you and we'll be back in a moment.